name, we are good. If we can get that one name, we are good. Amen? Amen. Woo! Let me just tell you now, and I'll tell you at the end of the service, next week we're meeting in the park. We're trying a fall of Jesus in the park. We've done the spring. We're going to try the fall, and hopefully the weather will cooperate. And we're going to all meet together at 10 o'clock, not 9 o'clock, not 11, but 10 o'clock, everybody. And it's going to be right across the street down below uh, in the field out here and, uh, and below uh, Twisted Root and Hamburger on that stage, same as we did last time. And we're going to rock the river. Amen? Hey, let's call it Rock the River. Rock the River. Yeah. We're going to have the same guys, and they're going to have the little four-wheeler, the little carts. So if you park upstairs and you need assistance getting down there, we've got guys that are going to take care of you just like you're a celebrity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have paparazzi if you want somebody to take your picture in the cart. But we'll escort you down there. So don't think you can't come because you, you, you need some assistance because we will assist you. And um, probably not going to baptize in that river either, so don't. I don't think there's a good place to get in that river at down there. So uh, we are baptizing here in the second service, just in case you're wondering. We're still baptizing every Sunday so far. I can't remember the last Sunday when we didn't baptize, Carol. Uh, so we're baptizing in the second service. So I don't know what you are. Are y'all slacking? Come on, we need, we, need, we need first. We need first service baptisms too. Okay. Are y'all glad you're here this morning? Yes. How many of your favorite college football team got beat yesterday? Yeah, see, it's okay, isn't it? It's okay. Longhorns got beat. It's okay. I mean, that you know, Aggies won. Yeah, no, that's okay too. It's okay if they lose. I don't. Uh, you know, I used to just write my my life of just if the Cowboys got beat, I would just my lip would be hanging down, you know, you know, and no, no, that's not different, and. Uh, I come to find out that, you know, they're not that important. They're just a bunch of millionaires that are playing with a little ball that not going to change my life one way or the other. It's not going to change my life one way or the other. Unless I let it, then that's kind of sad, isn't it? So this morning, I, God just put me in the same place. I'm not doing, not doing a series, uh, but God's put me in a place of uh, just restorative type sermons or taking what the enemy has dealt as an, as an ugly hand and how, and seeing how God transforms and, and restores. And, and he's just a God of one and two and three and four and five and six and seven. And however many chances that we keep coming back to him. That God keeps giving us this love and this grace and this forgiveness. That honestly we do not deserve. Would you all agree? And what, what the enemy means for bad. This is the scripture I'm using today from Genesis 50. God really does turn it for good if you'll let him. If you will not see your circumstances as something, oh, poor, pitiful me, but you'll go, wow, what, what's God going to do in, this, in my life through this? What's he teaching me? And so this morning we're going to continue in that vein because I love that, the story of Joseph. How many of y'all know the story of Joseph? I mean, kind of. At least you just know a little bit about him. Uh, how many of you don't know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Raise your hands. Be honest. If you don't know the story of Joseph, because I want to give you a little capsule, uh, because we can't go. Listen, Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, uh, he devoted 13 chapters to the life of Joseph. So I think it's significant that we look at the life of this young man. And many of you know him, and maybe this will bring some, a light bubble, come on. Many of you know him as the, the, as the son that had the coat of many colors. 
Now, does that, does that ring a bell? Because he was favored by his, his daddy. He was a favorite. Now, we've had our grandson here all week. Many of you already know that because you're going, why is he posting that picture on Facebook? Again, another picture of Ezra. But we've had our, our grandson here for a week. But we have a 15-year-old grandson. His name's Preston. And, you know, we can't go, I, like, I love Ezra more than I love Preston. God doesn't love any of us more than the other. And sometimes we have a hard time believing that because of our own guilt and self-condemnation and, oh, I'm just not worthy. And some people won't take communion because I've just not been a perfect person this, you know, this week or last night. And so, so what, what the Lord wants to show you today is whatever you're going through, he can really change it. If it's, it's a bad thing, God can change it for something really beautiful and positive if you'll let him. And so I, I just wanted to be encouraged this morning, whatever your state, your station in life is today, that God wants to move and he wants to uh, capture. I, I remember singing that song, uh, Extravagant Love, Your Love is Extravagant by Daryl Evans. And, and I was, was driving down the street one day and he says, there's a, there's a line in that. It says, capture my heart again, capture my heart again. And I just started crying. I thought, Lord, capture my heart again, because Sometimes we get our hearts get a little bit tough because of what the world deals us. And sometimes because of the way we don't respond the way we should and we get upset or we we get a little calloused. And and so we find ourselves sometimes at a distance with God in the sense that we're just not hearing him. We're not really in his presence like we used we've done before. And, And maybe this maybe this morning you just need to say, God, capture my heart again. Capture it. I want to be who you want me to be. I'm, I'm tired of being who I am because who I am isn't very good, but who you are is awesome. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50, we're going to be looking at uh, three verses there and then some other verses interspersed in there. But I want to give you a little background on, on Joseph. Joseph was a son. He was one of 12 sons to Jacob. Now, Jacob had different wives, different in there. Uh, the, the children were of different mothers, but uh, Joseph I think he was the next to the last in line. Benjamin was the baby. But Joseph was, he didn't use a lot of wisdom when he had these dreams. And he had this dream, and he told all of his brothers the dream. And the dream was that, uh, it basically said that all of you are going to worship me one day. Now, I don't know about you. I come from a family of, uh, I've got four siblings. And if, and if one of my siblings, if my, if my baby sister said, you know, one of these days, you're all going to be bowing down to me. You know what? We would have treated her worse than we already did. <laughs> we would have. Because that just seems arrogant. That just seems prideful. And, and to the brothers, it was like, man, and, and daddy's giving him a coat of many colors. And daddy likes him best. You know, that sort of thing. Like the Smothers Brothers. Mother always liked you best. And, and, and so we, we've got these brothers that get very angry. At, and so... Uh, Joseph is sent out to see on check on his brothers, and they said, "Well, here comes that son, you know, <laughs> not our brother. There comes that son of of Jacob, and and they devise a scheme to kill him. They they really want to kill him. Now that's pretty angry, right? And they throw him in a pit, and one of the brothers steps up and said, "Man, just don't kill him." And he he didn't want to kill his brother, so let's just sell him into slavery. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> so there's a caravan coming along, and they. They, they sold him for I don't know how much, and they, he went off to be in slavery. And, then, and he, through it all, man, he, was, he, was just, he always was upright, and he always did the right things. But 
He worked for Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife accused him of, of trying to uh, molest her, and she, it was trumped-up charges, and he got arrested, and he got put in prison. Man, his life is going for bad. Man, he's a, got the coat of many colors. He's got, he's got the, the dream that says, my brothers are going to worship me. He thinks everything is good, and everything in his life begins to turn from bad to worse. Okay? Getting rescued out of the pit, pretty good thing. Sold into slavery, not so good. Uh, accused of something he didn't do really bad, and then put in prison. And I think it totaled about 11 years that he was in prison. So here's the setting for this guy. He is he was, he's in this place. He is in, he, how, how many of you know that I think one of the worst things that could ever happen to a person would it be to be arrested and accused and, and convicted of a crime you didn't do? Men, you, you see those stories about the DNA after it comes out 20 years later, find out the guy didn't do it, and you're like, oh, I cannot believe he's been in prison. for That's, that's, that's got to be the worst, right? And so he's accused of these things, and yet God had a plan for him. In all of this, God had a plan. Can you believe that, that God would, could work through that kind of mess in his life? Y'all believe that God can work through that kind of mess in your life? Ah, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Because if I'm just going to tell you a good little Bible story and it doesn't apply to you, it's just going to be a good little Bible story. But all this applies to you, to me. So through a series of things, and he is a dream interpreter, he is raised up. I'm cutting to the chase. He's raised up to second in command of all of Egypt under Pharaoh himself. Can y'all? Wow. And, and God tells him, God gives him these visions and these, these dreams. He says, I want to I want to show you that, that, you know, Pharaoh had this dream. What's going to happen? There's going to be a famine. You need to save. You need to save up food. You need to store grain and all these things because there's a famine coming and we got to be ready for the famine. And if it wasn't for Joseph, many, many thousands of people would die. Including his own family. So through the process of all this and Joseph being in second in command, his brothers who lived far off in Canaan, they come to Egypt because they've heard that there's a place that they can get food. And they come. And guess who recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. Joseph recognizes his brothers. And this is what he says in Genesis 50, verse 19. Because they were afraid. When they found out that he was their brother, guess what they thought he was going to do? Kill him. That he was going to have them all killed. Man, when you rise up to second in command of Egypt, he could have had Potiphar's wife killed. He could have had men. He could have done. He could have got revenge after revenge after revenge, but he didn't. And they were, they were standing there before, they were standing there before Joseph. And he says this. Joseph said, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Now, I want you to see number four, the first thing that we need to learn how to trust God's plan in our life. Say trust. We need to learn how to, pray, to trust God's plan in our life. Listen, the key to success in our Christian journey is recognizing that God is in charge and that he is for us and not against us. Even if it doesn't look like God is with us, he is with us. How many of you, there have been times in your life, you're going through trials and your tribulations that you just didn't recognize God in the midst of it? Come on, be honest. You didn't see God anywhere in it. See, that's the times when God is, he's right there. He is waiting for you to call upon him. He's waiting for you to trust him. He's waiting for you to act out your faith instead of act out your fear. 
You see, sometimes when we're going through really difficult things, we just don't understand why we're going through them. We don't see the good in it. We Listen, it's hard to. I've been through, we've been through some things. And we're looking at God, where are you in this? Show us, show up, say something, email me, give me a voicemail, something. Let me know what's going on. And, and there'd be this silence, this deafening silence. Listen, when God is silent, that's when you need to be in the position of waiting. Because he's about to speak to you. I want you to turn to Isaiah 55. Verse 8, and it'll be on the screen. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. Y'all have heard that, vo- that verse before, haven't you? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return here, there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, those, I love this scripture, but look at, look at the rest of the context of these verses. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. Listen, when you don't understand that God's working his plan in your life, you don't see him working in your life, you've got to trust him in your life. You've got to trust him even though you don't understand because his ways, his thoughts are way higher than yours. He sees the beginning and he sees the end. All we see is what's right in front of us. We don't listen. When we're in the middle of junk, we don't even see what's behind us, do we? We kind of forgot about that. We just, oh, woe is me. All we see is the crud that's right in front of us. All we see is what our bank account shows. All we see is what the doctor's report says. And we get all, we get fixated on the present. And God says, listen, I've got that taken care of. I Listen, I was behind you. I'm in front of you. I'm hemming you in on every side. And I've gone before you. And I know your days. My ways are higher than yours, Harold. My thoughts are higher. Listen, when I speak the word, when the word goes forth into your life, and the word is like a bullet, man, it's like a gun. Pow, you know, the word comes in. He says, it's not going to return to me void. It's going to accomplish what I said, set it out to do. And listen, when God gives you a word and he speaks the word, even the word that's spoken this morning to you, listen, it's not going to return to him void. It's going to accomplish what it's supposed to do. But you've got to grab hold of the word. You can't put up your shields this morning, your Star Wars shields, and keep the word away from you. You've got to receive the word of God. It's like the seed, the sower, he's sowing the seed. Listen, if you're the hard ground, if you're the rocky ground, it's just going to bounce off. But if you're fertile, if you're the soil is fertile in your heart this morning, the word's going to take root. And it's going to grow. And no matter what adversity comes, God's going to bring life to you in the midst of that. Jeremiah 29. How many of you know Jeremiah 29? Or you've got it framed somewhere in your house. Come on. It's all over the Bible bookstores. It's even in some secular stores. Oh, just love that verse. And, and the New King James is a little bit different. It's not as poetic as the NIV. But here's the New King James says, For I know the thoughts, which is the plans. For I know the thoughts that I think or have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Oh, isn't that sweet? Just makes such a good little, that's a good little verse. That's just a great little verse. God has good thoughts toward me. He's got plans and hope in the future. But you know what people forget to do? They forget to read the preceding verses. They do. They just, they just think, well, that's a good verse. I'm gonna grab. And it is. It's a great verse. Grab hold of it this morning. But if you go back and read verse 10, and if you go back and read Jeremiah, whoo, 
Woo, boy, that's an awakening. He's a happy guy. <laughs> Not. Verse 10 says, for thus says the Lord, after how many years? Seventy years are completed at Babylon. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and call you to return to, his play, to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future and a hope. After how many years? So you think you're going through some stuff? Well, Pastor, it's been a rough week. Wow. I'm so sorry you've had a rough week. It's been a rough month. Oh, really? A rough month? It's been a bad year. Oh, a bad year? Really? How about 70? You're willing to stick it out with God for 70 years? Some people go, ah, you know, seven days is enough for me. But listen, what he's teaching them, listen, if you go back and read the story, they weren't like Joseph. They were rebellious. The Jewish people were so rebellious. Every time that God would forgive them, he would say, turn your hearts back, tear down all the idols, get rid of the bales, get rid of the astropos, and come back and worship me. Listen, I'll forgive you, I'll restore you. But listen, they rebelled and rebelled and rebelled so many times. God said, it's going to take 70 years this time to get them back to me. And I'm going to tell you, God allows you to rebel against him. If you want to stay in your junk, if you want to stay down, if you want to stay in your depression, if you want to stay in these places that, are, that the enemy wants you to stay at, God will let you. But I'm going to tell you, if you will listen to him, if you'll listen to the word this morning, you will come out of that depression. You will come out of that bondage. You will come into a place of freedom because you know that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's way bigger than you think. It's way bigger than you think. You know, we just settle for little bitty stuff when God says, I've got, you're a king, you're a priest, Harold. My people, they're kings and they're priests. Why do we settle for scraps? Man, we got a picture of Ezra. And I said, man, that's what I want to be. <laughs> He's, we got him in the bathtub. Mary Lou and Tressie, when they're looking at Ezra, they call themselves the smothers. Mothers that smother. And, they're like, and Ezra likes his bath. And, man, he is laying there, and there he's got two ladies just waiting on him. Man, they're, scr- they're scrubbing his hair, and he's just looking. Man, he's one of these kids. He's not like some dog. He, he likes his bath. And I said, man, that's the way I want to be treated. He's like a little prince there. But, see, that's who we are. God, God wants to, he wants to, the Bible says he lavishes his love upon us. We don't have to settle for the, for the, the scraps. We don't have to settle for the little because God is a God of abundance. We've got to trust his plan for our lives, church. And we also have to trust his purpose. Genesis 50, 20 says, but it's for you. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, he had a plan for Joseph's life, but there was a purpose behind the plan. He had a plan for his life, but he had a purpose to save people's lives. Did you know that God has put us on this earth to save people's lives? Joseph didn't have a corner on saving people. God has called us to be a light to the darkness. He's called us to be a, a, a place that changes the people, that change the atmosphere, the darkness that we walk into. We shouldn't be walking toward the light. We should be walking into the darkness because the light dispels the darkness. Oh, I'm going to stay away from No, no. We're the light. We think we're always, you know what gets me about Christians so much? We are always on the defensive. 
And God never calls me on the defensive. He said, man, after you put the armor on, you stand. Don't run backwards. Matter of fact, he didn't say he gave us a lot of coverage in the back. He said, we stand. We speak. We preach. We, we pray. We do those things that are, that are edifying to one another, and we bring the light into the dark places. We're not supposed to go, oh, I'm so afraid of Satan. I don't know what it's going to do to me. And some Christians are just, oh, they're full of fear. And God says, I don't want you to be full of fear. I want you to be full of faith because the Holy Spirit, the power of God lives in you. But as for you, this is, this is, this is Joseph talking to his brothers. As for you, what you meant to do to me was bad. I don't, I don't know if you remember, guys, you threw me into a pit. I don't remember the things that you were saying to me. I could hear you, how much you hated me. Thank, thank God one of my brothers said, let's don't kill him, let's sell him. Okay, slavery, I'll take it. What they meant was to harm him. What they meant was to destroy him. What they meant to do was end his life. And he said, but what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Listen, I was looking up that Hebrew word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it for you. But the Hebrew, Hebrew word for meant it in this verse means to weave or to fabricate. Have you ever seen some tapestry on the backside when, when all, the ugly, all the ugly yarn? Have you ever seen the backside of tapestry or, or needlework? But you turn it over and what does it look like? Wow, that's a cool cat or whatever people, whatever they put on the. In the back, but see, we are tapestry. God is weaving us. He said, I've got this under control, Joseph. They meant it. Joseph knows that they meant it for bad, but God's doing some weaving here. He's doing some fabric. He's, he's making this fabric look beautiful. He had a plan. He had a purpose for Joseph. But sometimes it's very difficult to see God's leading in the middle of the journey. I want you to think, I, I, was, I, I love to do just, well, I want you to just think about how do you ended up here today? Well, I got in the car, Pastor, got out of the car. No, I don't, I'm not talking about that. How did you end up here today? You know what I'm talking about? How did you get here today? What events in your life brought you to this place this morning? If you'll go back and trace them, which it might be very difficult to do, and you'll see that this event happened and that event happened, and I met this person that day, and this person invited me, or I was, I was searching the web, and for some reason I stopped on this place, or I was across the street, and I was eating a hamburger, and I looked across and I saw Freedom Fellowship. Uh, uh, whatever it was, however it was, God positioned you and brought you here today. I, I, that blows my mind to think I could have been doing a lot of other things than when the day God called me to do this. I didn't know where I was going to end up, but I can go back and trace. I can go back and look. All, and listen, when you go back and look, can you, it, it's awesome to go back and look and see how God protected you here, how he directed you here. And you didn't even know it, and I didn't even know it. And, and you can see how he rescued you from certain things in your life. How many of you know he's rescued you from things? He rescued you from that really bad, bad, bad person that wanted to become a part of your life. And for some reason, it didn't happen. And you're thinking, God, you're so good to bring me to this place today that I've got a divine appointment here. I don't even know why I'm here. Don't know how I ended up here, but I'm here. And God's speaking you to you today. 
And whatever the enemies meant for bad in your past, God means it for good. He wants to turn those things around in your life. Sometimes I just wonder how long is it going to take for us to get that in our spirit? That we're the head, not the tail. That we're above and not below. I'm serious. I mean, I see people come in. I I have to discern. You know what? You don't have to discern a lot of times. Just look at the countenance of somebody. And you know, man, it's looked like they lost their last friend. Or they just got beat up really bad mentally or physically or verbally. And you see the people dragging in and you, you, you see, you, you feel for them. You hurt for them. You want to see them restored and renewed. And like, just like God wants to see you restored and renewed. I, I don't know how many of you know this. We have an enemy who wants to kill you. Literally kill you. Destroy you. Rob you. Whatever he can do, whatever he can get by with, that's what he wants to do. Now, I don't know why John 10, 10, when I was a kid, I was memorizing verses. I, I love that verse. But I think what I did was I loved the second part of the verse. I did. I love the second part of the verse. The first part of the verse says this. The thief, representing Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. That's his agenda. That's what he wants to do every day. And Jesus said, I have come, I have come, that they may have life, and, they, they, and that they may have it not abundantly, more abundantly. That's exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. That's what he wants to give us. That's my God. He recognizes that we have an enemy. He said, but listen, what he's come to do, it is nothing to, to compare to what I've come to do. He may, he may be roaming this world seeking whom he may devour, but I'm going to tell you, if you will trust me, even when it looked like he's winning, he's not. He's a loser. We always win. No matter what happens in our life, we're always on the winning side if we have Jesus Christ within us. So we trust his plan. We trust his purpose. And the third verse is that we trust his provision. Verse 21 says, now, therefore, do not be afraid. Say, say do not be afraid. That's the second time in three verses he said that. Do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. If there's, if there's a problem with most of the church today is that, that many, 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 many Christians walk in fear. Fear which evolves into anxiety and depression and so many things. Jealousy, all those things, fear. Fear of failure. Fear of success. People just have this, this fear within them. And the Bible is very clear. Say, God did not give that spirit to you. If God didn't give it to you, who did? The enemy did. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob you of any faith, any peace that you may have. It's kind of disconcerting to watch Christians that are always anxious. That are always in turmoil. Always, at, uh, there's an unrest about them because the Bible says over and over and over. Listen, I guess God knew that we would have a problem with fear. He wouldn't have said it so many times in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not, fear not, fear not, right? 
He knows us pretty good. But even through all the times, even when Joseph, and, and I think about this, because, you know, we read the story, and when we hear that Joseph was put into prison, we just hear the story. You say, okay, that's a great guy. 11 years, he comes out shining. 11 years. 11 years, guys. I mean, after two, three, four, count the days, five. If he had a little calendar on his wall, all the little markings, how many days, how many days? After 11 years, he's let free. He's set free. God is, he wants us to come to that place no matter where we're at, that we're going to trust him even if it's 11 years, even if it's 11, even if it's 100. He wants us to trust him in this, okay? He says we don't have to be afraid because he's in charge. Do y'all believe God's in charge? Okay. Genesis 39, 21 says this, but the Lord was with Joseph he showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Even in prison, he had favor. Even in prison, he had favor. I know a lot of Christians, they pray for favor. You don't have to pray for favor. It's just part of the DNA of Christ. And if we have the DNA of Christ, we, have, we walk in favor. You just need to start declaring it. Oh, Lord, I just need your favor. I need a really good parking spot here at the mall. No, thank you, Lord. I, I know you got a spot for me. <laughs> oh, you want me to exercise today? Cool. I'll walk 20. I'll walk. Isn't it weird how we're doing it in a parking lot? If there is a parking space here and there's one, two down, we'll get to the one closest to the mall because we don't walk the extra two spaces. Y'all, are y'all with me this morning? Okay. Isn't that true? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're going to get as close as you can. Okay. Unless you got a really nice car, then you park really far out, and you come back out, and the worst car that could ever possibly be on the parking lot is parking next to your Corvette. You're going, oh, man. Look at my door. Check my doors. As children of God, you need to get this this morning. We walk in his favor. We are promised provision. That's what he says there. I will provide for you. And not only you, but all your, all your children. I will take care of you. If you will not be afraid, if you will trust me, because I know you meant things bad for me, but I'm telling you, God's going to turn this for good. And because of what God's turned for good, there are going to be many lives that were saved. And listen, he didn't just save his family. He saved thousands of people's lives because they were ready for the famine. We say all the time, I know that God's with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. How many of you know those verses? Do you have it up here? Or do you have it here? Do you have it up here? It's okay to have it up there, but until it gets to here, it's just some good words. Oh, yeah, God's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And then the first thing that comes along, God, why did you leave me? Why did you forsake me? Right? It goes beyond a mental agreement, the promises of God. It has to become a faith walk. Now, listen to me this morning, because some of you 
or here and you feel like your backs are against the wall. If you feel like your backs against the wall this morning, I want to tell you that the wall is Jesus Christ. If you feel like you're here this morning, you've hit rock bottom. I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is the rock at the bottom. Oh, if you feel like that the world is caving in on you, I've got good news for you because we are not of this world. Oh, everything's crashing around on me, Pastor. The world just coming. It's just crashing. Listen, that's okay because we're not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Quit putting stock in the world. Put your stock in Jesus Christ. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 6-7. And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody ever been grieved by various trials? I'm so... The rest of you have never been grieved by various trials? That's awesome. Can we hang out with you? How many of you have been grieved by various trials? Be honest this morning. He says, because of that, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mary Lou and I were, uh, I love Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle. Anybody ever heard of him? An awesome guy. And just very much of an inspiration for us as we began uh, Stepped out into ministry, went to one of his conferences in Houston, and then got to when we were in when our daughter moved to New York. I said, "Man, we got to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle. I, w- I want to see. I want to see this this church, and I, w- I want to hear Pastor Simbler preach a message." And so we uh, navigated with subways and all that to get to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, which is a renovated theater, and it was on a Sunday night, and kind of disappointed. Because Pastor Simbla had a guest speaker. Didn't know that at the time. And um, you remember that? It was Dave Reaver. Anybody, have you ever heard of Dave Reaver? Dave Reaver has a tremendous story. He was uh, in Vietnam. He, was, he, he didn't really want to be in the military. He didn't want to be, but he was drafted. So he thought, I'll, be, I'll join the Navy. And he joined the Navy. And he was out in a river boat in, in uh, a river in Vietnam. And he had a phosphorus grenade that he was about to throw. And the phosphorus grenade blew up in his hands and melted him, basically. He tells it very humorously, but it's not very humorous. But he said, he said I looked around in the water, and he said, I was all over the place. <laughs> he said, I was beside myself. <laughs> and you're like, how can you laugh about this? And then he told the story of, of his testimony of all the surgeries he went through, all the things that he went through. The enemy wanted to kill him that day. But he didn't succeed. Because God had a plan and a purpose, and he provided for him to to bring many lives to salvation. Thousands of people have come to know Jesus because of one man saying, I'm not going to let adversity I'm not going to let what the enemy meant for bad keep it bad. I'm going to let it God turn it for good. So I'm going to watch, I want you to watch this clip. It, this, is, this is how we're going to end our service this morning, and then we'll have a time of invitation. Hi, I'm Dave Reber. I know that 
Suffering is not isolated to people who are serving in the military and get hurt down range, as we call it, nor is it isolated to people with a particular disease, whether it be cancer or Alzheimer's. There's a thousand ways to get hurt in there, but there's only one way to be healed. I want to talk about that for just a moment. On July the 26th, 1969, and for all you youngsters out there, that's not right after the War of 1812, but it is after the War of 1812. I'm not that old. I still know what it's like to be in the middle of a battle, fighting for what I believe in, fighting for the ground that I once had and then lost. I want it back. And when you get hurt, one of the first responses most humanity has is, why me, God? And we shake our fist in his face and Come on. Do you think God really did evil? God doesn't do evil. And we know that. So on July the 26th, 1969, on a riverbank in Vietnam called the Vam Co Tay River, I asked that question. Why is this happening? It wasn't why me, God. It's But why is this event taking place? Well, I want to tell you something. For those of you going through it right now, you are not alone. There's two things about you not being alone you need to understand. One, you're not alone in the fact that you are suffering, others suffer too. So in the midst of suffering, don't feel like you're the only person that understands what's going on. Poor me. No, you're not alone in another way. In the middle of suffering, guess who's there? Standing in line, waiting all the time, as close as the mention of his name, Jesus. He was there when I needed him. And I said, as my head surfaced from the water that I was about to drown in and was still burning by the chemical called white phosphorus, I said, God, I still believe in you. Why did I say that? One, I knew that I was not alone. The guys that were looking at me, watching me burn, watching me, expecting me to drown, those three other men watched as a man surfaced and said, God, I still believe in you. The reason I said it was because I knew I wasn't alone. There were others watching me. And I wanted them to know that I knew that he, the Almighty, did not do this to me. And the other reason I said, God, I still believe in you, is because I knew I wasn't alone. He was there. He was there where I was. Recently, I heard a preacher say, why do Christians, when they're out in the world, always want to run to the light? He said, Run to the darkness. Run to where there is no light and be the light when you arrive. Because I believe he's right. I have to say with a very compelling urgency, don't let someone suffering be alone. Be there with them. Be there for them. So whenever that hand grenade exploded in Vietnam and that lucky sniper got his shot off, he didn't know. He was doing me a favor. The scripture comes to mind from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. that says, I would you should understand, brethren, which is a wish by Paul writing to the church in Philippi. I wish you would understand, my friends, in the body of Christ. That's why I called them brethren. They weren't his physical brothers. They were his spiritual brothers. He said, the things which happened unto me. Well, things happened. Even the world has bumper stickers that says something like that. Things happen. Well, the world knows things happen. Sometimes the church doesn't get it. But when these things happen to us, before we let our first response be, why me, God, think twice, because there's two presents there. The presence of people who are wondering what your response will be, 
because you're not alone. You're in their presence. And the presence of the Almighty, when you call him out and you say, why me, God? If you're going to say, why me? Let it be, why am I being blessed as opposed to being cursed? Let me tell you something. It was a battle I fought for years before I figured it out. And here's my solution to that question. And I believe it can change your life. God didn't do this to me. He didn't blow me up in Vietnam. He didn't mess with my face and blow my hair off, my ear off, my fingers and and lose half my skin. I looked down and saw my heart beating, pumping blood out of an open artery. That's how I knew it wasn't dead. I could see my pulse if I couldn't feel my pulse. But I knew years later what I did not know on the bank of that river. I know today what it took me years to understand. Can I save you reinventing the wheel? That thing that just goes round and round and round in your life. You keep coming back to the same point. Why me? Why me? And it gets to be pathetic after a while. You want to hear the answer? Are you ready for this? Well, here's the answer. God didn't do it to me, but he trusted me with these scars. Because nothing speaks more volumes than a scar. A scar is an epic story of an experience that damaged and hurt. But did you know scar tissue comes back stronger? It comes back tougher. And you can experience more hurt in the future without hemorrhaging to death. Because that old scar is going to pay you back. But it also is a passport into the life of other people. A scar is evidence you got hurt. It's evidence you got over it. And it's evidence of empathy. Because others are there with you. The Almighty is there with you. And in the darkness, when you rush to those people who are hurting, oh, it's one thing to share with a friend that loves Jesus, but do you know what happens when your personal story of experience And instead of, why me, God, you can say, why, God, am I blessed? And out of that statement, change their lives. Oh, you got it, didn't you? You got it. Let your scar be of importance. Let your story, let it shine in that world of darkness. The final thought for you is this. Jesus did not go to Calvary in a limousine, and he didn't die by lethal injection. He took the hard road. He was crucified hands up and palms out. And the whole world could see that suffering. And instead of saying, why am I going through this? He knew that out of this would come light and darkness. Be a light in darkness. And when you're going through a trial, don't blame God. We know who our enemy is. God bless you. I'm Dave Reaver and I approved this message. Isn't that beautiful? His testimony is, is amazing. Jeff, could I have you come up and play? Could I have the ministry team come to the front? This is what the Lord's impressed with me. Some of you have, you're on the wheel. And I think today's the day that the wheel needs to stop turning. You've gone around the mountain, and you've gone around the mountain, you've gone around the mountain, and God says, it's time to stop. It's time to be healed. It's time to begin to Speak life into your situation and not discouragement. I met with a couple this week. And I've met with, I've met with so many people in my office over the years. And they come in and they tell me these stories that break my heart. 
break my heart what they, what they went through. And yet, by the end of the story, I'm so happy. I'm, so smi- I'm smiling because I see what the enemy meant for bad in their life. Now they're doing ministries. They've allowed whatever that, whatever that was torturing them, what was tormenting them, the bondage of their life when they got free, then they begin to see other people brought, healed, brought into the kingdom of God. That's what God wants to do in your life today. Whatever you've gone through, listen, let God turn it for his glory. Let him free you of the, of the bondage and turn what you've been going through for his glory, for his honor. Would you stand this morning? Because I know there are people in this service, you are ready to get off of the treadmill. You are ready to step into your destiny. You are ready to recognize that God's plan for your life is a great plan. His purpose is good. And He's going to provide every need that you have to walk this walk of faith. This journey, this adventure of faith. He wants you to walk it. And you, listen. He's going to tell you this morning. God's going to have already spoken to you through many things today. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's going to walk with you through it. So we just, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning, and man, you have been, you've been going through it. And it's real. It's real. The, the problems, the trials, the tribulations, they're real. If you've been going through that, and, and you really want to come to a place of I want to walk in. I want to step out of that bondage of that trial and that tribulation. And I want to walk into freedom. Would you just slip your hand up real quick? Just slip your hand up all over the room this morning. Well, here's the deal. God wants to, he wants to help you step into his goodness today. Whatever the enemy's meant for bad. Listen, this is a, this is a hallelujah day. What the enemy's meant for bad. God, today, say today. Today, God's turning it for his good, for his glory. And he says, all things work together for the good. Say the good. All things work together for the good to them that love him. Do you love him? Are you called according to his purpose? Yes, you are. He, 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 he's, gonna do, he's turning all that today. Today is the appointed day. When you look back, how did I get here? You got here today for a reason. You got here today. There was a destination point today. And the GPS brought you here. God's positioning center brought you here to get healed and be set free. So, Father, today, for every person that raised their hands, I ask, Father, that you would give them a measure, a great measure of faith today to step into their destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we want to do. There's so many hands that went up. I'm just going to ask if you raise your hand this morning by, by an act of your own faith to step out and come and kneel here at the altar. By an act of your faith. You said... No more. I'm not going to let the, the enemy's not winning anymore. Today is my day. Say, today's my day. Today is your day to be set free. And whatever the enemy's been meaning and doing and, and, and corrupting for his, for his evil, that today God is turning it. And you're getting off the treadmill. In Jesus' name. Now, when I ask the ministry team, if y'all would just go as the Holy Spirit leads you, as the Holy Spirit leads you to go to people that are kneeling here. And I want you to just pray over them this morning. You don't have to ask them any deep questions. You already know why they're here. So I just want you, Carol, can you come out and just pray over some of these guys here? Just step out and come. Just step out and come. Step out and come. You're a life group pastor. Come on up. We want you to pray for people. 
I believe that today is a day of the first day of the rest of your life. It's going to be a beautiful day. There's a turning, Jeff. There's a turning. I believe there's a turning today. There's a turning today. There's a turning. Some of you in your heart, you said, God's called me to do this, but I'm so unworthy. I've got so much crud going on in my life. I can never get there. And God says, today's your day. You're here for a reason. No accidents. No accidents. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Drew, could you come up and pray for some guys? As the Holy Spirit leads you, just step out and pray for some people. David, have the freedom to do that this morning, Lynn, to pray over some of these folks. Jesus, today is your day. Today is the day to be set free, to be restored, to be renewed in Jesus' name. No more is the enemy going to have the upper hand. You might have been in bondage for 11 years, and today you're out of your... Be set free from bondage today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But I'm telling you, everybody that's kneeling up here, even out there that raised their hands didn't come up, it's going to be a matter are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust Him with, with your life? Are you going to trust Him that His plan is a good plan? Are you going to trust Him that He's got a purpose for your life? Are you going to trust Him for the provision to do whatever the ministry is He's called you to do? Because that's what it's that's what he's called us to do is trust him. He's called you to trust him this morning. Father, I thank you for every person here today. Just baptize him today, Father, with your love. Baptize him today, Father, with hope. Hope, Father. Father, they've been walking this trail, they've been walking this path, and they're just tired of walking it, Lord. They're tired of the they're tired of depression. They're tired of pain. They're tired of being in bondage. But today, you're setting them free. You're delivering them. You're rescuing them even from themselves. You're rescuing them even from their own discouragement and depression. Today, the joy of the Lord is going to fall upon them in Jesus' name. The joy of the Lord is going to come upon them in Jesus' name.